Hey, hey, welcome back to Mamas Have Special Needs 2. I'm your host, Ashley Johnston, and this is episode 129, Family Events and Inclusion of Your Special Needs Kids. Welcome to the Mamas Have Special Needs 2 podcast, where we are learning to thrive in and enjoy our lives again. I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Let's go. podcast mamas merry christmas guys this podcast is going up on christmas day so you'll be hearing it that day or the day after probably because you'll be spending time with your family now this topic right family events obviously is applicable to the holidays whether that's christmas or really any other holiday that you have including birthdays or even smaller holidays than that or maybe you just get together regularly with your family maybe it's like you know, every Sunday you get together, you have food um, or family reunions. So I wanted to speak to some of the things that I have learned about family events and your special needs kiddos and how to not just accommodate for them, but help them to feel included or just be included, which can be a difficult thing when so many of the humans in your family function in a similar way and then you have a child that functions differently and has different needs and different capabilities. And so how can we create an experience where not only we and our children are comfortable and enjoying connecting with our family, but so are our other family members that are developing typically and have children that are developing typically because the equation just isn't, I want to be included, I want to feel good. I want my child to be included and feel good. We have to remember that relationships include more than just you and what you think and what you want. And same for your child, right? Which we know that, but our behavior indicates otherwise, right? When we're getting hurt or offended that things aren't going the way we think they should, what we're neglecting to see is the other person in that relationship. And I'm not saying you can't strive for what you want to have happen at family events for your child, but it does realistically need to include the other people. And so here are some things that I have learned, perspectives from my own experience, but also perspectives that I have gained from talking to my other family members, from observing them, and from seeing what works and what doesn't work as far as helping my children to be included in a realistic way. I just want to take a minute to remind all of you that I am a life coach and I do offer personalized one-on-one coaching at the moment. And if you have no idea what coaching is, then I want to offer you a free session. You bring to the session your goals, your problems, or what you're striving for and what you desire and the obstacles that are standing in the way. And we have a conversation about it and I'm able to use the skills that I have learned to help you and also the experiences that I've had in reaching my own goals to also help you achieve the life that you want as a mom with kids that have special needs. I understand what that is like. I understand the difficulties of finding time for yourself, of finding time to just think and to process and to develop plans and to take care of yourself and your kids. Some of these things that just get put on the back burner because you can't you feel like you don't have enough time in the day to even touch it or address it right I have gone from a place of 
complete self-neglect and feeling like I would prefer to have someone else's life, anyone else's life to what I had to now feeling like I love the life that I have, challenges and all, and I feel competent and confident in being able to address those and I can offer that a good start in that direction for you. So you can email me at ashleyjohnstoncoaching at gmail.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H, johnstoncoaching at gmail.com. No spaces or anything like that. And shoot me an email and let's have a conversation. Super chill. And just see what I can offer for you. Okay, so for this first half of the podcast, I want to share a new perspective with you that will hopefully help you understand where your family members are coming from, your mother and father and brothers and sisters and your nieces and nephews, where they might be coming from when they are coming to a family event with you and with your child or children that have special needs and what it, what they might be experiencing on their end. Now, keep in mind, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? It is what I have experienced and what I have discussed with other people, my family members, and what I have observed, okay? So the first thing that I have come to understand is that my family members, not just mine, but family members that don't regularly interact with children that have special needs, when they come to family events and they're interacting with your kids, it can actually be a very uncomfortable and difficult situation for them to be in because they don't know how to include or how to communicate with your child, right? You have had hours and hours and hours of practice because you've been around your child, right? But your family members haven't right and this family event that they're coming to may be one of the only times that they ever have a need to develop the skill set of interacting with someone that's drastically different than them and this is something that humans do struggle with generally we do generally struggle knowing how to connect with people that are vastly different than us whether that be a different culture from country to country culture from family to family or town to town um, or even men to women and those different kinds of differences in our thinking and in our being. Um, And then also adults to children. Like there are just differences in how we process and how we function. So when we come from a someone that that have different capability sets and also different ages, we have a mix of of uncertainty on the part of your family members, not knowing what to do or what to say. And then your children, and perhaps you as well, not knowing what to do or what to say to try to create a connection. And so if you find that your family members are avoidant or they're not even talking about your child at all or they're glossing over them like they don't exist, even if that's how you feel it's coming across or that's literally how it is, know that it is probably coming from a seed of not knowing what to do, from feeling incompetent on their part or from feeling afraid or worried that they might offend you or worried that they might offend or hurt your child or not knowing what to do with it, right? I have definitely come across some family members that are just very uncomfortable being, being around um, children that have special needs. And 
that is understandable. And that's the perspective I want to offer you is to try to understand why it makes sense that they're behaving the way they're behaving. And I'm not saying it's fine. I'm not saying because I don't know exactly what they're doing. So I'm not necessarily condoning their behavior or anything like that. I'm just saying it's going to be easier for you to actually solve the problem if you can understand where your family members are coming from. You'll actually be able to reach connection and inclusion if you can understand where they're coming from. Now, obviously, one of the best ways is to just ask them. But sometimes knowing how to start that conversation can be really difficult. And that's something that I've also come to understand is that I had been waiting often for them to start the conversation. And luckily, I did have some people that were willing to do so. I actually had a niece that came up to me and said, hey, Ashley, I really want to connect with your daughter, but I don't know how to do it. Right. And my daughter is nonverbal. And so she's like, I don't, I don't want to offend you. I don't, you know, I don't mean to to be offensive, but I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to do. And I'm wondering what I can do to try to connect with her. And that was so helpful to me because I didn't understand that she was at a loss. And so I was able to um, think about what she could do. And honestly, I didn't know what to say the first time she asked me. I had to think about it. I had to think about what can, what can they do to try to connect with my daughter. And what I realized is I actually needed to put forth some effort as well to teach my daughter how to connect with them. And so through me, they, we were able to communicate and try to figure out a way in which they put forth a little effort. My daughter puts forth a little effort. I put forth pretty much you know more effort to help these two connect. And it's, um, it is still a work in progress. But it is a good thing to note that not only probably your family members do have a desire to try to, to connect. And we, and I can know this because humans generally have a desire for connection. It is a little more difficult to connect with someone you don't understand or don't know or don't um maybe share a lot of similarities with, but it is still possible, right? And we desire connection generally. And so my guess is that many of your family members actually do want to connect with you, do want to connect with your children that have special needs, but don't know how and aren't asking how out of fear of being offensive or sounding stupid. Another thing that I've learned is there is a learning curve to developing these kinds of interactions between your child that has special needs and your other family members, like their cousins, right? It's easier for an adult to try to connect with a child than it is for children to connect with children. So, so when when my children's cousins try to come, they're like, hey, how are you? Um, how old are you? What grade are you in? And my children don't answer at all because they're nonverbal. It, it's a big point of confusion and I can see the confusion in the face of my nieces and nephews that they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. And so they often need a little more help where I am there and I'm able to answer questions or encourage my children to communicate in somehow or to prep a their device, to prep their device with their family's names, their cousins' names and put something in there like, hi, uh, Jessica, I cousin, my cousin, I'm, I'm Elizabeth, you know, prepping it with some sort of way to connect so that their cousin can hear that they're, uh, my child is trying to connect with them and is doing something. And perhaps it's only one small moment, but even that small moment can be an opportunity to boost the confidence of my child and to create connection between my child and their cousins or my child and their aunts and uncles. 
So to just be prepared that there will be moments that are awkward, moments you don't know what to do as you're trying to create this, um, this connection and that that is fine. Nothing is going wrong. It's just going to be awkward and it could be awkward for, you know, I don't know how many times it might take. And if you only get together once a year, then you can expect it will take several years before something happens where, where it feels natural on both ends. So a large part of what I have learned about helping my children connect with their grandparents, aunts and uncles and cousins is that I am the bridge initially. And initially I was thinking, oh no, I I want my brothers and sisters to reach out to my children. I want their cousins to reach out to them. I want them to come to us and I want them to try to connect with us. And that is, um, I guess in life generally, you can be waiting a long, 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 long time, right? Because what's really happening is when you are struggling to go to a family event, most likely it's because you are the one having the problem with whatever is happening or not happening at the family event. Now, you can voice your opinion and wait to see if your family members do something about it. But I highly recommend that you don't do that because you could be waiting a very, very, very long time because they might not be uncomfortable whatsoever. They might not have a problem with any the way anything is going down, and most likely they don't. And so why would they have any interest in trying to fix it? And I actually don't think that they're at fault for that, right? I, obviously, it'd be great if people looked at us and was like, I'd really like to include you and your kids in all these things. That's like so nice and so great and so relieving. But I would just count that as a bonus and not rely on that as the, the method by which you help these family events be enjoyable for you and your kids. What I highly recommend is that you be the bridge and you be the initiator. And not in a way that's guilt tripping them, but in a way that's seeking genuine connection with them because you love them and you want to know them better and you want them to know your children better and vice versa. This was really demonstrated to me well when I was listening to a coaching session and there was a mother and she was getting coached and she was sharing how she had been going to many family events. I think they maybe were getting together on a regular basis and she was talking about how frustrating it was for her. Her daughter was deaf and none of her family members wanted to learn sign language, even though that was the way her daughter communicated. And she talked about how painful it was to go to these family events and to see that her child was not having connection with her family. And But she didn't feel, she felt bad for her daughter and angry at her family for not making that leap and that jump to learn sign language. But what she discovered in that coaching session is all that time that she was feeling bad for her daughter and feeling angry toward her family for neglecting her daughter, what she came to realize is in turn, she also was neglecting her daughter and focusing on her family at the family event. And what conclusion she came to at the end of the session was, oh my gosh, like I could be the bridge for this. I know sign language. I could interpret for my daughter. I could help her connect with my family. I could be the interpreter. And then my family could learn a few signs through that connection. And what I took away from that is not just I can be the bridge, but also I can spark connection that then increases the desire for aunts and uncles and cousins to further communicate 
with my child and with my children and that eventually I won't even need to be there at all, right? That would be the hope is that independently they can have a relationship without me. But initially, it's okay and probably even necessary for me to be that bridge. Now, when you go to a family event, you do and you have children with special needs, it ha- it did take me a while to come to the conclusion that this is to develop a realistic expectation of what the event would be like, that I I would not be able to participate like I did in the past and being able to let that go and being able to understand I am needed elsewhere and to even reach a place where I'm okay with that, that this is the season. Maybe it won't always be like this, but this is the season that I get to be a bridge for my children to their family. Now, another thing is events. Like when someone does planning and they're planning a family event and they are planning activities and you realize that your child can't participate in this activity. Like if we got around the piano and sang, this isn't something that some of my kids could participate in really. And so what might be fun is to either talk to the person that is hosting and come with a solution. Don't come with a problem to them and say, hey, all the events that we've done at these family events in the past aren't inclusive. I mean, it could be something that you're stating, you know, in your conversation, you could state that. But to then just state it and leave it there and say, hey, I want you to fix it or make something inclusive. I don't feel like that is a very useful way to approach that conversation. Now, you might have a family member that's like, oh, no, no, I got it. I can totally make something inclusive. Tell me what they can and can't do or can and can't eat. And let's go ahead and do that. But if you don't, because maybe they're nervous, maybe they don't know how to do it, maybe they really are just so busy they don't have the mindset or space to give to that, then maybe you can offer. Say something like, hey, I'd like to be in charge of one of the activities or I'd like to offer that we do this. It's something that my son or daughter can participate in and I think it would be very fun. Um, Not just for them, but, but everyone else. And then you can go for it. And that way you can have at least one activity at the family event that is inclusive that your child can fully participate in, whatever that be, right? And you would know because you're the mama and you spend a lot of time with them and you'd be able to offer so much help to your family in that way. That is being the connector. Something that really helps me as far as my mindset, what I'm really struggling with the mindset of going to family events and feeling feeling like I don't want to go, right, because of however I'm, I'm thinking about it. Something that's super helpful is to, is to think about and ask myself the question, what can I do to make this a success for me, for my child, and for my family? How can I prep things so that everyone can succeed in these interactions? And that question has helped me to think a lot more about my other family members entering this relationship with my child and these interactions. And that's been super helpful. Something else I throw in there with these questions is to be grateful for what does happen and to not focus on what is lacking right at these family events. So if I'm feeling very, very excluded, I want to do some thought work on that right, which I'm not going to share in this particular session. But once I do thought work on that, um, then I want to try to bring some solutions to the family event for my child or me. And some of those I might not even need to talk to anybody else about. But when I do come across those family members that have really no desire to 
get to know my children, no desire to accommodate anything, no desire to even be around me or my kids. And they're not necessarily harming us or doing anything like that. I just do the thought work that I have done and try to let go of that and just go, you know what, like they might be having something going on in their life where they have absolutely nothing to give. Like as a mom with kids that have special needs, I know what that is like. And having special needs kids is not the only circumstance in life that that can feel completely draining. And so something might be going on in their life personally that may render them unable to offer any sort of connection for me and my kids or to include us in anything. And that's fine. Because there are many more people to connect with. Many more ways to connect. And I also want to throw in there that there are appropriate times and places and situations where perhaps going to a family event or seasons of life, going to a family event really is the best option, right? Only you will know that. But if you're going to make that decision to stay home, you're going to make that decision to not attend at all, make sure that you're doing it for the reasons that you like, that you're not staying home resentful or staying home feeling lonely or staying home feeling abandoned by your family and feeling like, you have to stay home because none of them will do anything, right? Because you will be just as miserable staying home as you would be if you went to that event because of that frame of mind. So do some work and try to get to a place where you like the reasons you're staying or you like the reasons you're going and you can extend grace to your family members, grace to yourself and grace to your kids and realize this is all a work in progress. Okay, if you feel like I have missed anything or you have any specific questions, remember you can email me at ashleyjohnstoncoaching at gmail.com. I will put that address in the show notes. All right, now I want to share with all of you family members out there that don't have children with special needs, but maybe you have a brother or a sister that have special needs or even a niece or nephew that have special needs. I want to share with you or even, you know, just a family member or friend that you interact on a regular basis and you go to events with or family events, big get togethers. I want to share with you a little bit of what it is like being the parent and what might be some things that you could offer to help them. So one of the things that I have noticed happens at family events, holidays, or any really kind of annual event, even like a birthday, is that when you have a child with special needs, that most of the time they are not meeting their developmental milestones, these kinds of annual events can actually be moments that bring up a lot of grief and sadness and struggle. Because if you haven't been around your nieces and nephews in a long time and you get around them and you have a child, like I have a child that is seven, almost eight, and then four, and they get around their cousins and their cousins are four or two and three, and they have already reached developmental milestones that my children have not, for example, speaking, it can often be a trigger for grief of just realizing, oh my gosh, I didn't realize like, how, how quickly that child is developing and how healthy they are and and how my child is not. And I haven't personally, and maybe this is something that you have experienced as a special needs parent, but I haven't personally experienced immense, un, 
unbearable triggers, but it is a thought that enters my mind where it's like, oh, like, oh, that's so different. And it does feel a little sad because it's a reminder of, of a past life or a past expectation that you once had. Right. And, and as the years go on and as I do self-coaching, that gets less and less and definitely more bearable. But for many special needs mamas that I've interacted with, it is not. It brings up immense grief and sadness. And another thing particular to gift buying at holidays is that you might have a child that is 12 and you are still buying toys that are created for a six-year-old because that's where they are developmentally or even less, even, um, I mean, younger, which is like 18 months or a year, because those are the toys that are developmentally appropriate for where your child is, even though chronologically they're 12. And so that can also be something that's difficult for parents raising children with special needs during this time of year. And so they might not only be coming to this family event having had thought about diet restrictions or behavior things or safety, whether because maybe their child is a runner, maybe their child is aggressive, and they're really trying to work on helping them to be soft and aggressive. Maybe their child doesn't sit down or maybe their child can't eat on their own. And they are, they're coming already trying to prepare for those things, already feeling exhausted from those things. And then they um, – are around all of their cute nieces and nephews and their child seeing the developmental differences, having, you know, thinking about the gifts that they're going to buy. And so I'm not saying as a family member that you need to not bring your kids around or not talk about Christmas or not talk about gift buying, but to just be aware and be sensitive because that can be a great conversation opener. And what I have found is that the loneliness that I have felt or other moms like me comes from not having open conversation about it, about not talking about it, which I feel is often done because it's like we don't want to offend you or we don't know what to say or we don't even know how to offer um, console. Is it consolence? Yeah, to console you. They don't know how to do that. And that's understandable And at the same time, opening up that conversation and just stating that, like my niece did, I'm not sure what to do or what to say, but I do want to connect with you. Can you help me know what would really be appropriate for this situation? Um, Whether that's apologies or um, just listening and empathizing or trying to offer solutions or, you know, what would be best? Like, just ask them. Because even if there's nothing you can do, just opening the dialogue and saying, I see you, I see that this is hard and I just want you to know you're not alone. I'm willing to support you in whatever way I can, even if that's, even if I can't do anything just to, to be here to, to talk about it. And that in itself can be super helpful, just acknowledging it and not necessarily offering it in, I pity you, I pity your life or... (laughs) man, I could never do that. That's so hard. Like, even if you feel that's true, um, not necessarily the most helpful phrase or way to approach it, right? We all do difficult things in our life and the lives that we live as special needs parents are no less. Alrighty, sorry, my kiddos came in and needed some help. So as you come to these family events, just keep in mind that your brother or sister that has a child with special needs maybe like just showing up may have been a great feat in itself. And so any extra help you can offer is greatly 
welcome. And if you don't know what that is, ask. And if they are sharing with you, and if you're not sure how to do the thing they're asking you to do, then you can ask for clarifications as well on how to do that. Another thing that is immensely helpful is to show interest in their child, to ask questions about their child, to ask about how they're doing, how their development is, what's going on with them, and then to take some time to interact with their child specifically, whether that's reading a book to them, taking a walk with them, um, speaking with them, telling stories with them, connecting um, with your niece or nephew that has special needs, just like you might try to connect with your own child. That can mean so much to a parent. I don't think you have to be a special needs parent to know that that means a lot. If you are the one hosting a family event, maybe think about what are some activities that we could do that would be inclusive or easy for their child to participate in. Now, you don't have to plan the whole event around their child with special needs. I mean, you could if you wanted to. Um, but even just to reach out to that to that parent and to just say, hey, what can we do? What's an activity that your child can participate in and enjoys participating in? And what can we do to make that work for you guys, we'd really love to connect more with your child and, and include them in what we're doing. Make them feel a part of the family. That can also mean a great deal. Um, another great thing is if, if you can just observe them, right? And I understand that you probably have your own kids, your own life and things that you're doing. But if you can take a minute to just observe your um, brother or sister and their child with special needs and just see, you know, what is it like? How are they taking care of them? What would be useful for me to do in this moment? And, um, or maybe I can just ask if I'm a little worried about what might, what might happen. Um, open line of communication is always going to be your best bet to start. Another thing is that going out with a child that has special needs, I mean, I guess it does depend on their needs, but it can be exhausting, whether that's physically exhausting, depending on the needs of the child, or emotionally exhausting or mentally exhausting. And so if it comes a time when your um, family member just wants to take their family and go home, don't pester them about leaving. Oh, why aren't you staying? You should stay. We're going to miss you. We're doing this thing. We all need to be here. It's um, sometimes the best thing to do is to just go home because sometimes taking care of your family is easiest when you're at home. And I feel like that's probably true for everybody. But um, it's especially, I know for me anyway, especially true for us that taking care of our children in our own space is usually the safest, the easiest. We don't have to be um, on guard so much because with our youngest, he has to be watched every minute of every day. And we're always taking turns watching him unless we're at home where we've created safety parameters for him in which we know he'll be okay so we can, you know, take a shower or go to the bathroom and he'll be okay. Um, but when we're out and about, that's not possible. And so sometimes at a certain point, it's just, okay, we're going home early. And we do leave from many events early because that's what's easiest for us. And we, we are sad to miss out on some things, but it is much easier to just take them home. And at that point, if you are a family member, Sometimes what can be best is, oh, you got to get home. How can I help you get home? Do you want food? Can I pack up some food to send home with you? Can I help get your kids in the car? Do you need me to pull up anything for you? Um, things like that can be very, very helpful. 
or even if they ha- can't even come to the event at all, perhaps making them a little basket of sorts or sending a party, a portion of the party home with them or home to them. Because that's a simple thought of we see you, we love you, we support you. Even if that means that you can't come be with us at this family event or you don't want to be here, we love you and we support where you are and what you're doing and you know, you're, you're welcome to reach out at any time. These really small gestures can really mean a lot if you are wanting to know how to connect with and help a family member that has a child with special needs. All right, as a last tidbit here for you all, oh, and this is something my husband and I have learned over the years, but it's when we're going to an event, be that a family event, like a reunion, Christmas party, birthday party, wherever we're going, and we're going to see family members that we haven't seen in a long time and we're really excited to connect with, what we do is we make a priority list of what it is we want to do. Because what we noticed is early on we would go and one person, like especially if it was their family, would have a great time, get in the conversations they wanted to have, play play the games they wanted to play, connect with each other, And the other person would be with um, the other child the whole time that needed them, right? And that's important. And they wanted to be there, but at the same time, they didn't connect with anybody. And that ended up being really hard and you ended up having arguments and feeling resentful and all of that. So what we've learned to do over the years is to prioritize specific things that we want to experience at the family events before we go and share those lists with each other. And then when we're at the family event, we try to make sure and prioritize that that the other person gets to have that experience. So for example, uh, last year we went to a family reunion and my husband and I had a conversation. What's important to you? What do you want to experience going to this family reunion? And my husband said, I really love playing games with my brothers being like the sports. And so he's like, anytime there's a sports thing going on, I'd really love to be involved in it. So whether that be uh, kickball or football or whatever else it, sports they do, they play a lot of sports and they're really active. And it's, it's really great. It's a really big point of connection between him and his brothers. And so I, I was like, OK, that's something that's important to you. Now, for me, I love playing card games and board games and connecting that way. It's just so fun for me. And that's usually something that happens at the end of the day. And so I said, well, for me, I want to play these specific games. I would love to play. And then I said, I want to be able to talk to these specific people and catch up with them. And so when those moments of the reunion came, I would let my husband know, hey, they're all playing sports out there. Let me take the kids and you go out there and you play. And so I would take the kids and I'd walk around with them. We'd go see and we there was a lot of nature this last time. And so we'd go down by the creek or we'd go out for a walk in the forest. And it was just beautiful. And he would get to play with his brothers and have conversation with his brothers. And then when it came towards the end of the day, he'd be, hey, they're playing board games. They're starting the board games out on the table. He'd come and, you know, or I would get him, whoever saw it first, And then he would take the kids and then I would go and I'd get to connect that way with with his family in that way. And I enjoyed it so much. And it just helped us to not feel so resentful or feel like we were missing out or feel like anything like that. And it's really fascinating because 
you don't have to be involved in everything at the whole family event at all to feel like you're getting the connection you want. It actually takes a small amount of time. So the family reunion is four days. Most of that time, my husband and I were with our kids and helping them play with their cousins or do the family service project or paint or walk or eat or sleep. We were helping them with all of those things. But when we prioritized those specific moments of connection that we wanted to make with our family members and prioritize that for each other, it ended up being an overall really great experience for us and our kids. And so I highly recommend trying that out, seeing how it goes. If you do try it out, let me know how it goes. I would love to see if this is something that works for more people than just us. So have a good Merry Christmas, a good Happy New Year, and happy family gatherings and other connections that you might make this year. Try to give each other grace And let's try to connect better and be supportive of each other because it is always better, in my opinion, to be with your family and to find meaningful connections with them than to not. Okay, remember, if you're looking to change your life, reach out to me at ashleyjohnstoncoaching.com, at ashleyjohnstoncoaching at gmail.com, and let's have a chat. Until next time, take care. Hey, mamas, listen, you can create the life and relationships you want as a mother raising children with special needs. And I can show you how. We can hop on a free Zoom call and talk about what you need, what you want, and what I have to offer. No pressure, and it'll be super fun to chat and connect. So send me a message on my Instagram, Mamas Have Special Needs 2. The link's below and let's hop on a call.